Thank you for pushing back the dark. <laughs> yes, uh, it's always um, it's always important that we have a responsibility, and the responsibility, you know, um, the whole scenario of pushing back darkness is you light one candle, you turn on the light, and basically you look at your life. Your life is the light the light that God has given you to shine. And that's how we push back the darkness, is allow your light to shine. So anyhow, today we're looking at, um, I've, I've entitled the, the message today, Reframe, or maybe in a more popular note, it could be Reboot, <laughs> the computer, or Restore. But as we reframe, as we rethink things, um, <laughs> how about, and, and I'm thinking of or talking to, speaking to the adults, um, whenever you were growing up, we were growing up, did you ever have asked to go somewhere, you know, I want to go to the party, I want to go with my friends, all my friends are going, all my friends are going there, their parents all allow them to go, why can't I go? And the answer was, if your parent, their parents allowed them to jump off a cliff or jump off the bridge, would you jump off the bridge with them? How many had that logic? All right. That's a reframe, <laughs> you know? It's reframing something in our minds to look at it a little differently. So our life of faith is a reframe. Our life of faith is a reframe that we are lost, now we're found. We were um, without Christ, now we are. So we're looking at life and we're wanting to see it in, in a different, in a, in a unique perspective. And so we are looking at things differently, looking at things from a different perspective. Through the light of God's word, we are allowing the light to shine upon our path so we can see where we're going. Um, I was, when, I, when I saw this example, it had the example of Ronald Reagan. Anybody remember Ronald Reagan? <laughs> okay, Ronald Reagan in 1984... Okay, many feared that Reagan could, um, couldn't defeat Walter Mondale because of his advancing age. And Reagan was looking for an opportunity to put the issue to rest. When the question of age came up in a debate, Reagan responded with this reframe of age. He said, this is Ronald Reagan said this, I will not make age an issue in this campaign. I am not going to exploit for political purposes, my opponent's youth and inexperience. <laughs> so Reagan on his one-liner brought down the house and even Mondale laughed and the age issue was not brought up again in the campaign, okay? Because they were, you know, it was all over the news, you know, Reagan's too old, Mondale's the younger candidate and so finally they bombed, you know, tried to bomb Reagan with the, uh, with the age question and he just took it and he turned it around. All right, I need two volunteers. Two, one, seven, back there. How about Zach? Come on up. You two. Uh -huh. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh. All right. Now, here you are, two fine young men. Aren't they fine young men? 
Okay, you're going to sing for us today. No. <laughs> All right, now, okay, turn this way. Turn this way. Uh, what do you see? A wall. Zach, what do you see? A cross. Oh. What happened there? What's that? More descriptive. Okay, turn around. All right, now, one saw a wall, one saw a cross. Hmm. You see, whenever we reframe, sometimes, whenever we look out here, what do you see? What do you see? People. People. What do you see? The church. The church. Okay, good. Okay, you see the, the church? He sees people. Now, be more specific. Your mom. Oh, imagine that. Okay. Uh, just your mom. All right. All right. So what do you see? Uh, painting. Painting. Oh, okay. Now, wait a minute. Whenever we see things and reframing is bringing things into focus. Now, some people are so focused, they don't see the frame. When some people are so focused, a person can be focused on his mom, you can be focused on the painting and not see the others. Reframing is allowing us to see the whole picture and yet come back into focus. We are alive and going back to school. <laughs> not me, you guys. Okay, they're going back to school. So school can be a broad picture or it can be, how many classes do you have a day? Somewhere. Five. Okay, so you have five periods. Now, you can have a whole day of school. You can have one class that you're focused on. And then you move to another one and to another. So what are you doing? You're changing your focus. So you have been reframing. <laughs> Yay, how about that? Yeah. You have been reframing because not only do you see your mom, but if you look out, you see the painting. But also, what do you see? Jose, Jose yeah. <laughs> yeah, there he is. Everybody looks back there. Okay, see how we focus? And, okay, thank you. Very good. Oh, you're perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It won't be long. You'll be up here. <laughs> so, whenever, you, whenever you're up here, you, you see the wall, you see the church, you see individuals. And so, what do you see in life? What do we see in life? Is it good? Is it bad? Is it ugly? <laughs> is it opportunity or is it defeat? Is it age, like Reagan? <laughs> or do we need to reframe? You see, everything has an alternative. Everything has a flip side. If you see a quarter, it has a head and it has a tail. <laughs> you know, it has a head side, a tail side. You, there, everything has... Two perspectives. Now, whenever we reframe, you see, when we look at one thing and then see something different, see the different way. Like, and I know I've done this before, when from your perspective, how do you get out of here? <laughs> when the preacher finishes speaking. <laughs> how do you get out of here? From where you sit, there are no doors out. There are two doors, but you can't get out through these doors. From where I sit, there's two exits. Where I stand, there's two exits. So what we're doing is, in, 
in our looking at certain things, we see them a certain way. We do the very thing with our everyday life. Whenever we're used to seeing something, we see something. Now, we could be up here and we could look at what there, where the empty pews are, and, or we can look to the full pews, people who are sitting in the pews. We can look to what we're doing, we can look to what we're saying, and be so focused on that, all we see is Jan. <laughs> you know, all we can see is Jan. That's it, can't see anything else. Why? Because that's where our focus is. So what is Jan wearing? <laughs> what is she? she has a green sweater on, she has a necklace on, she has glasses, she has blood. You see, we can go through this whole thing. Well, what's Zach wearing? I don't know, I'm not looking at Zach, I'm looking, you know. So what's, well, we haven't focused. Now, we, we can go through things and we can look at things but miss the obvious. In our life, we can miss the obvious because we don't see God in our life. We don't see the hand of God working in our life. Now, if we look at our work, the things we do every day, can we see God in them? Can we see God's hand in these things? Now, we, see, we, see the, we have to reframe opportunities to the promises of God. What are our opportunities? The opportunities are everyday life that we encounter has its opportunities. It has its problems. It has its way of flipping things around to their side. But you see, we, we are allowing God to let us see things through his perspective. Now, <laughs> you have heard that it is said, okay? You have heard that it is said. You've heard many things. And in the scriptures, when Jesus, and um, I have it a little later, when Jesus was in, in Matthew chapter, I can't remember, when Jesus is talking about the Ten Commandments, he says, you've heard that it is said, but I tell you, and whenever you look at your life and we hear people talk, we have heard people talk about our work, our life, about somebody else's life. You have heard that it is said. Now, but Jesus says, and we're going to look at uh, Jeremiah chapter 10. Here is Jeremiah reframing how Israel is going to look at how they are hearing about the gods of, the, of their enemies and of their neighbors and how that Jeremiah is reframing this whole scenario. And this is in the Message Bible. And it says, listen, this is listen to the message, not the Message Bible. Listen, listen to the message that God is sending your way, house of Israel. Listen most carefully, okay? Don't take the godless nations as your models. Don't be impressed by their glamour and their glitz. No matter how much they they're impressed, the religion of these people is nothing but smoke. So Isaiah is telling them, people, you're, you have heard it said of the other gods, of the other nations, what their god is. And he is giving them a charge not to conform to the ways and the customs of the heathen. Okay? We as Christians, we as followers of Jesus Christ, 
We as individuals who have the word of God in our hearts and in our minds are charged not to follow the ways of the world. The ways of sin, the ways of darkness, the ways of, you know, looking at the world around us and recognizing that it is in pretty sad shape. You know, Jesus is coming back. (laughs) And very soon. How do we know this? I I mentioned a little bit last week, but, you know, I I still can't get away from this. uh, In the next five years, by 2020, this is 14, so it's 2014, 2020, they're projecting that we can go through checkout lines and, and not have to uh, have checkouts because the, sca- the, ca- the computers will scan the chips that's our, that are in the each, each, uh, each of the parcels that we buy, and plus they'll scan the chip in your hand or arm or whatever, your card, and it will automatically be deducted, totaled and deducted from your bank account. So you won't need to have money. You won't need to have this. And, it, and they even had the needle and had a little chip they can part and plant and the whole thing. We are so close. <laughs> we are so close that, you know, when we talked about this 30 years ago in Bible school, you know, how that, you know, the Antichrist was going to come and there's going to be a one world market, one world leader, one world money system. It was out there. But here we are, it's not out there, it's here right now. And we can easily transition right into the Antichrist and to the, you know, the world money system and the whole works. We can easily transition into that. And look at the Middle East and look at the problems that are going on over there and how that there's going to be wars over there and how that somebody is going to come up and be the solution, be the savior for the Arabs and the, and the Jewish people. It's coming. And so the coming and the return of Jesus Christ needs to be part of our life. We need to reframe, reboot our focus because Jesus is coming back and this world that we live in is not our final home. And the standards of this world are not the standards we live by. The standards we live by are by the word of God that is implanted in our hearts and our minds and that we see things differently. Amen? So, learn not the way of the heathen. Do not approve of it. Know nor think indifferently concerning it. Learning the way of the heathen is learning the way of deceit, dishonest, that life doesn't matter, and that we are here for ourselves and no one else. It's the self-centered I, the I deserve this mentality, and that, see, that's the way of the heathen in our culture, because God hasn't, hasn't told us that way. We are to pray for those who despitefully use us. We are to pray for the ways of God to become our ways and that we think godly thoughts and we transition away from the things. You know, whenever we are saved, we move away from those things which would destroy our soul and destroy our thinking. Learn not the way of the heathen. And then Jeremiah goes on here. An idol is nothing but a tree chopped down then shaped by a woodsman's axe. They trim it with tinsel and balls, 
use hammers and nails to keep it upright. <laughs> Here are Jeremiah saying, look at this. Look at these idols. I want you to reframe your thinking of these idols. They're all dressed up. <laughs> They're covered with gold. They're fancied out with purple and rose, you know, like there's some important thing. And he said, I want you to reframe this. That's a piece of wood that somebody has carved out and they have to nail it in place or it would fall down. Don't be deceived by their workmanship and think that they are gods. This isn't God. Those, those principles that our society and, and the world in general puts out there as this is the way that life is to be. You know, everyone deserves something and we all, the society, don't worry, the, the government is going to take care of you and you don't have to worry, we're going to, you know, there's money in every bank account. <laughs> Just go get your chip. It's wood. It's made out of wood. It has to be nailed into place or it'll fall down. It has no life in it. Consider what an idol is that is worshipped. It is nothing but the stock of a tree made by people. What is the promises of man but empty words that have no life in them? And we are called, <laughs> I like what it says here, it is like a scarecrow in a cabbage patch. <laughs> it's like a scarecrow in a cabbage patch. It can't talk. It is like dead wood. <laughs> it is like dead wood that has to be carried. It can't walk. Don't be impressed by such stuff. It's useless for either, for either good or evil. It's, it's useless. It can't do any good. It can't do any harm. It's useless. And he's telling the people here, don't look at the scarecrow. It's not a god. <laughs> don't look at the things that are presented in this world as if they are only hope our hope is in jesus christ and his love for us his forgiveness and his grace and his mercy we are to reframe <laughs> reframe our thinking reboot ourselves as it were to the word of god and the strength of god in school <laughs> god says that he will bring back to our remembrance those things that we have faithfully studied you study and ask God to help you understand what you need to know for the test and for everything else. That can be your prayer. I used to pray it all the time. <laughs> I needed all the help I could get. And of course, there was always somebody who had answers beside me that I could, you know. No, no. We don't steal from other people. We don't cheat. And if we fail... We fail because we didn't do our part, not because we didn't cheat correctly. <laughs> I don't, I'm, not, and I'm sure you've seen people cheat. I remember they had those pins, you know, and somebody got the test. I don't know if this was in college or wherever. He had the test, and he wrote, the, the, you know, it was multiple guess, <laughs> multiple choice, multiple guess, and he, number one is A, number two. And he had it in his pen, and he had it very fine, and he could... He would be writing his pen, number three, number four. <laughs> uh, the, the professor came and grabbed the pen. <laughs> uh, he left school. <laughs> you 
you know. But some people can cheat and get ahead. We don't have to cheat to get ahead. We don't have to lie to get ahead. We don't have to betray to get ahead. We don't have to be deceitful. Why? Because God is our provider. We do what we do as unto the Lord. So our studying and our work, our profession, we do it as unto the Lord because we're looking to reframe this. It's not for our employer. It's not for the paycheck. It's because we are living our life for God and this is God's opportunity in our life to do something with the talents he has given us. That's a reframe. That's a reframe because God is working in us. All this is nothing compared, you know, is the scarecrow, you know? All of this is nothing compared to you, O oh God. You're wondrously great. This is the reframe. Don't look at the scarecrow over there that's made out of the image that people have put together with their hands and dressed up and, and, and said, this is a god. <laughs> Worship it. Well, how about the, the, in our society, there is no god. It's just whatever. You know, so they take the scarecrow and they say, this is, they try and point out, this is your god. He's not, but it's, forget, don't, don't go there. It's not true. Jeremiah is telling the people of Israel, all this is nothing compared to you, O God. The God of our fathers, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of Israel, <laughs> the God of Israel. He has given us his commandments. He's given us his laws. He's given us his grace. You are wondrously great. You are famously great. You can, you, who can fail to be impressed by you? King of the nations. It is your very nature to be worshipped. Look far and wide among the elite of the nations. The best they can come up with is nothing compared to you. The best they can come up with is a scarecrow and, an or and a cabbage patch. <laughs> they line up a lineup of sticks. Good for nothing but making smoke. <laughs> Gilded with silver, foil from Tarshish, Covered with gold from um, Euphaz. You see, you've got these places, you've got these things, and you're looking at them, and they're all addressed, and they fly around in their jets, <laughs> and they have their millions of dollars, and they have all these things, and they are the elite. Look at our society. Look at the movie stars. Look at these ones that are on the counter, uh, on the covers of magazines. Look at this. This is the elite of our society. This is what you are to be like. It's nothing but sticks and smoke and mirrors because they're going to change in a few years. <laughs> they're going to be gone in a few years. But your life is eternal. And the things that we believe and the things that we trust are eternal. <laughs> These gods might be rever reverenced as kings. These people might be worshipped as idols, teen idols. <laughs> Imagine that, teen idols. We have movie stars. Stars? <laughs> we have elite in our society. We have the rich of the rich. But what is an idol made from? What is an idol made of? 
something we are told that is important. That's what we're told. These elite athletes, you know, what are they made of? They're made of their past performance. And when their present life cancels out their past performance, such as the two young men smoking marijuana (laughs) that are backs for the Pittsburgh Steelers, what's going to happen to them? Is their career over? Are their contracts canceled? Maybe. But you see, don't look back. (laughs) The song. Your life is not about the distance you've traveled. Your life is about the direction you're going. I have been traveling this for almost 65 years. Okay? Zach, how old are you? I've been traveling this for 13 years. Don't look back. What direction are we headed? <laughs> Forward. How many years do we have behind us? Doesn't matter. Or if, we're, if we act 65 years behind us and we're headed in the wrong direction, hello. <laughs> Where are you going? It doesn't, you know, you're headed in the wrong direction. Why? Because we started making gods out of scarecrows and and putting gold on them and purple robes on them and saying, wow, what a wonderful god that is. It's a scarecrow in a a cabbage patch. (laughs) But whenever we have God as our director, whether we're 13 years old or whether we're 65 years old, when I was (laughs) going to church, I can, I can still, re- I don't remember much, but I remember as being four or five years old, following my grandfather to the altar. <laughs> you know, following my grandfather to the altar. And it was there from that, you know, how, well, he's been doing this for four years. Well, but he's going in the right direction. Did I falter? Yep. Did I fail? Yep. Don't look back. What direction are we going now? It's not what we've done wrong. It's where we're going with what we have. And you see, we need to reframe our lives according to the Word of God. That our life is not made up of our past. We have experiences that have taught us about life, but it is the Word of God that is the beacon that we are following. It is the lighthouse that guides us to our future. God is the real thing, verse 10. The living God, the eternal King. When He's angry, the earth shakes. Yes, and the godless nations quake. You see, we're looking at Israel and all the things going on over there. (laughs) Pay attention. (laughs) Israel is God's. It's kind of like us. We belong to God. But Israel, God had called them from the very beginning and said, my hand's on these people. To Abraham, he made that promise and he will not break his word to Abraham and his descendants. Israel is never going to go out of the news. It's always going to be front page news because at some time in the future, they're going to come out against Israel 100% and they're going to try and destroy that place. And all the nations of the world may back off and say, well, you know, let them do what they can over there. But God will protect that nation because he has made a promise to one guy some 4,000 years ago. God has made a promise to us 
when we accepted him as our Savior, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That there is nothing impossible in this life, and that no matter what direction you choose, you choose the direction that goes towards me. And I will be your right hand, I will be your help, I will be your strength, I will be your wisdom, I will be your help, I will be your very present help in time of trouble. You see, we need to reframe our thinking, we need to reframe our lives, and that we are following God, not because I'm right, but because God is right, and I'm allowing myself to understand his word, and to allow the wisdom of God, the application of the truth of God's word to my everyday life. The truth of God's word to my everyday life. We don't come up here and say, you've got to dress a certain way. Don't come up here and say, you've got to do a certain thing in order to prove that you follow God. We come before God with an open heart and an open mind and want God to bless us and want God to reveal himself to us. We, want, we need God's help and direction in understanding his word and understanding our life. It is God who makes a difference. And so it is God who is with me. If God will honor a promise he made some 4,000 years ago to a guy called Abraham wandering around in the desert and his, his people and his descendants are still over there in Israel and, he, and, and the Arab countries, his descendants are there. He brought them through the Holocaust. He brought them through all of those things and brought them back to be a nation. Here's a Jewish evangelist that's going to Israel. And I was interested, and he wants, he needs support, <laughs> just like the churches in Iran need support, and we need to pray for them, and we need to give as what we can. But here's an interesting thing he, I, I thought was inter another interesting point. He said that in the Jewish synagogues, this year, for the first time in the history that he knows of as a Jewish, and I don't know if he's a rabbi or was a rabbi, but he's, you know, it's the first time that, he, that, is, that this is, has come up, that in the Jewish synagogues, they are, going to, they are not going to read Isaiah 53. The first time in their history. They will not read. He was pierced through for our transgressions. The punishment for our peace was upon him. Nor are they going to read, God has laid on him all of our sins. Nor are they going to read, who considered he was cut off out of the land of the living, taking the punishment that was due to my people. They're not going to read about Jesus in the synagogues. And you see, they don't want to be reminded that the Messiah has come. Because they want to eliminate that from the influence upon their people because they know that Christians are using those verses to tell the Jewish people, Jesus has come. <laughs> and just like the leaders in Israel at the time of Jesus, if you're really the Messiah, come off of the cross. Well, the leaders in the Jewish religion are now saying again, don't read about Jesus. Reframe. They are looking at this and making sure that their people do not see 
that the Messiah has come. They want to reframe their thinking so they don't even consider it. But God is constantly leading us by His Spirit and teaching us by His Word and putting upon our hearts and our minds that God is going to bless us. God is going to lead us. And when we need help, don't hesitate to ask God because He is a very present help in time of trouble. He is the one who will calm our spirits when we are hurt and angry or upset, he is going to calm our spirits. He is going to give us direction. He is going to give us peace. He is going to direct our thoughts. He's going to direct our hearts. He's going to direct our lives. And whenever we need help in the classroom, whether we're teachers or students, or whether we're just reading the scriptures, we need to pray and ask God for wisdom and understanding and the application of these truths to our lives and study Study. <laughs> Study the truths of God's word. And he, God, will help us bring it back to our remembrance. Amen? Let's stand. <sighs> God, this is Ecclesiastes 3.11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. <laughs> also, he has put eternity in our hearts. God makes everything beautiful in its time. You know, we're, we're kind of right in the middle of our life. We can't figure out, you know, is this good? Is this bad? Is this, you know, don't worry about it. Give thanks unto God. Everything is beautiful in his time. All things work together for good. We have these promises, allow the promises to direct our thoughts to the bigger picture. God is in charge. He will take care of us. Amen? Father, thank you for the care that you give us, for the promise you give us, for helping us to see you, O oh God, as the light of the world shining in our lives. Help us, O oh God, to be that light set on the hill that we might give the light of Jesus Christ to all who look upon us, for we are your children. You are guiding us. You, O oh God, give us your promises, and we are grateful. Help us, Lord, to be dependent upon you, to reframe our thinking, to reframe our thoughts, to see you in us, and that we might apply your wisdom and your guidance to everything we say and do. And everyone said? What did everybody say? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. <laughs>